Hebrews 12.1 says we are surrounded by witnesses and that we should cast off sin and obstacles that keep us from God. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is Cross Training. Building your faith to not only carry the cross of Christ, but to get up when you fall and run toward the finish line. Faith-filled business leaders and individuals share their testimony to inspire your journey. Now here's your host for Cross Training, David Anderson. Well, good morning. You are listening to Cross Training with David Anderson. And this morning I have a very special guest, Leonard Alsfell from the Boston, Massachusetts area, but has had a mortgage, raised children here in New Orleans, and we are on the Catholic Community Media. And this show is about people who have fallen down, gotten back up, talk about a little food, and then we'll talk about when Mr. Osfeld's got his wheels under him, how he has expanded his faith to others. So uh, I've known this gentleman for quite a few years, and uh, it's kind of like going on a date with someone you already know. <laughs> that was way before I've been married my 23 years. Thank but, God. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but we do know each other well. So uh, Lenny gave my son two hamsters uh, many years ago with the whole cage that ran around, <laughs> and, and we worked together and did a lot of business, a lot of good business when we worked for Joe Canizero together. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, Mr. Leonard Osfeld, father of four who are all doing well, two Dominican grads, two Jesuit grads. True, true. And your wife went to? My wife went to O. Perry Walker. Oh, yeah. But graduated Tulane Law right down the street. Whose mother is a famous uh, woman of New Orleans who did great political movements in her day. Jackie Clarkson, Jackie and Clarkson. don't forget the youngest daughter of their five, Patricia Clarkson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys are uh, tied in at every level, uh, movies, political, church. So, That's the plan. So, Lenny, as we get into this conversation, we've known each other a long time, shared a lot of positive things that happened, uh, going to get business and celebrating and having a good time when we worked for uh, Joe, we never got too far down the line into where our faith was. Uh, we both knew each other were Catholic. I knew you were pretty regimented yes. in your Catholicism at that time. I was probably not. I was moving in that direction, but I wasn't where I am now. Uh, you were there. Yes. You had been there for a long time. yes. Taught me to wear calf-high socks in my business suit. Very important lesson to a young man. dress shirts. Always. White. Yes. Uh, which I still wear today. That's all I wear. <laughs> but as we were talking before, you, you had mentioned some downtimes in your life. And I think one that really will resonate with folks that, that are listening are it is the time when the market crashed, you had four children, uh, your dad had been in a terrible incident, because that ties in your personal side, your love of your dad and seeing him go through something terrible, uh, while the maintaining a family um, of four is a heavy load on anyone, um, much less one with three little kids and well, you know, it, the um, growing up in Cranston, Rhode Island, it's an interesting note that the city of Providence is the highest Catholic population per capita. And I grew up one of six children. I was the middle, two older sisters, two younger, and a brother came along a little later on. My dad passed the basket uh, at uh, St. Paul's Church. He was a war, World War II veteran, uh, entered right after his high school and spent that was in 1939 and 41. He thought he was getting out, and they bombed Pearl Harbor, and he ended up being a a uh, artillery man. In, what was his name? Uh, Leonard, just like mine. Thank you. My mother's Margaret. And so th those experiences that he had 
put in us a faith to understand and appreciate our, our, our requirement as Catholics to put it in practice daily. Ironically, I was a slow learner because by the time I was in sixth grade at St. Paul's School, the Immaculate Heart of Mary Order nuns suggested I was probably not a good fit in that Catholic school and asked me to go to the public schools. I had a aunt, my sister Marcia Montbetty was the youngest of my mother's sisters, who was in that order. And back then, they used to have a habit where around the neck they wore a cross. Well, I have 22 nephews and nieces, when, or cousins, I should say, back when I was in sixth grade, and she was analyzing the, the probable most at risk. And it seemed like it wasn't much of a competition. I, had a, I ran away with it. And the importance of that situation was that she gave me the cross that she wore around her neck. And she said, my nickname was Champ. She said, Champ, I want you to put this under your pillow. And every night, touch it, pray to Jesus to help you become good. Well, I'm sitting here with the cross in front of me right now at age 71. And that cross has traveled my entire life under those pillows from high school through college, province college, up through my marriage, into my children's life. And if I took an interest of all the blessings, if you could see this cross, the face of Jesus is pretty well worn. Clearly, some point in that, that journey, I woke up one day and I said, it actually worked, that I actually became a reasonably good person. And I understood the role that she had put in me. And by the way, she's 96 years old. So what is her name? A sister Marcia, her name's Betty Schneider. She's in Pennsylvania um, fighting um, Alzheimer's, which her sisters all succumb to. Uh, so we send blessings out to her and her her remaining time here on this earth. But those early experiences weren't really setbacks. It kind of created buffers and lanes where I could take a breath, look at the opportunity to test my faith in the Christ and to also pass it off as part of his plan. You were what grade when I got I got they moved to leave and sister put this last I was in that, sixth she, grade. Literally she threw the Hail Mary. I uh, think that makes me thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, okay. okay. There were other opportunities. So at that point you were going one direction or another. I was going the wrong direction. There was a time for about a month that when the school ended, my behavior in the classroom was so bad that I had to accompany the nuns back to the convent and sit on the <laughs> stairs in the convent as they walked up and down the stairs repeating, what would Sister Maciel say if she knew this is where you were spending an hour after every day of class? I didn't have a comment for that. I just sat and quiet. Couldn't wait for the month to be up. Wow. But the, but wow. the lessons of um, not respecting I could the see rule little law. Leonard uh, <laughs> uh, sitting on those steps, <laughs> scared yeah. as a little rabbit. Yeah, and, and defiant even to the end. That's fantastic. So this cross that I'm looking at, you've slept with it under your pillow. Since I was 14 years old. Wow. In college, in all the different places I lived, and all the different experiences I've known, but I never got in that bed until I knelt, talked to Jesus, had this cross in my hands, and made the sign of the cross before I got in that bed. And I'm thrilled to say my wife joins me on those traditions, and all of my kids practice those traditions. And my five grandchildren, the oldest is not even three and a half, mm. will also be taught those great you know, prayers at the dinner table, reflections of the day you had by telling each other how much you love him and how important it is to say your prayers. All of those children go to Catholic schools. I have no doubt they'll be great examples of the faith that we've put in them. And, uh, and the fact that they're all healthy uh, reminds me of God's plan and the blessings he's given me. You, you wonder if... Um that sort of foundation is a natural deterrent to uh, some 
more depression. I agree with that. You know, when I see how the suicide rates have increased in this country, my mother taught me at a very young age, before you can say I love you, you have to say I. And she made it a point every day, despite never having a college education, never having a job, never writing a check, never driving a car, that she started every morning telling us how much she loved us. And before we went to bed at night, she'd always give us a hug and kiss and tell us how much she loved us. And she said, Champ, if you do those two things to begin and end your day, all the mistakes you make in the hours between them melt away. Fantastic. She was a great, we call her the kitchen philosopher. She had a lot of, lot of great lines. Like I, that. I try to philosophize in the kitchen a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's a good place to do it. You're creative, you're cooking, and you you lot, you're thinking well. Uh, and again, this is David Anderson, host of Cross Training. We have Champ, Leonard, Lenny Osfeld. Uh, All true. You're not a junior. I am not. And my son is a Leonard, who's a doctor at Oster and bone marrow transplants. That itself is a story of faith. This is David Anderson, <laughs> host of Cross Training, and we have Lenny Osfeld here. We're coming to you from the beautiful uptown studios of Loyola University with Mr. Albert DuPont Jr. at the Switches and uh, having fun talking to Lenny. And later we'll be talking a little about one of my favorites, uh, Yo College Inn Chicken Fried Steak <laughs> and the Debris Po' Boy. Uh, so here we are. Lenny, you were just going into... The influence of my son and his passion for finding a cure for cancer. You, know, you talk about those times when you have to look into your faith and decide how do you measure God's plan and what is the reality of the life you're living. And my brother, I was in a, a business meeting in Chicago and I got a call that my brother George, who lived in Maryland at the time, he was a single man, had been rushed into the hospital because he had bleeding, only to find out that he was diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. That's, and that, that's what I had. It's a, I've told you that miracle. You are a miracle because it, it eventually claimed his life. But the pattern of watching his decline was so embedded in my son Clark's life that while he entered college, he watched the four years eventually take his godfather away from him. And I was blessed to have George B. Clark's godfather because they developed an incredible bond, almost like my bond with my, my children. And he decided right then and there, I'm going to go to LSU. I'm going to go to LSU med school. I'm going to get involved in oncology and hematology, and I'm going to find a cure for cancer. And he matched here in New Orleans. He went to MUSC in um, Charleston, South Carolina, where he did his residency. Then he did his fellowship. He did a year as the um, head of the uh, Veterans Hospital. And he got a call from Stanford and, and uh, asked him if he'd be interested in a program where they only invite four individuals to be part of the new uh, uh, AT cell development that's the next evolution of bone marrow. Uh, he took that appointment. Where is he now? He's now at Ashna. Oh, oh. But he also then got a call shortly after that with MD Anderson. He chose MD Anderson so he could be closer to home after eight years being away. And he signed with Ashna before he graduated from the MD Anderson program. And I'm, we're very proud of him. He's done I, I did follow-up treatment at, at MD Anderson. It's a fabulous facility. It was really incredible. So he's got a full full load. He's got two boys and just had a baby girl in February. That broke the streak of five straight grandsons. My oldest daughter, Meg, who's a lawyer and a Loyola law grad, works with me at Raymond James. And uh, she's got two boys, my son, Mac, who does comic writing, who has one of those very difficult careers to have consistency. He has a, his first boy. Oh, wow. And my daughter, Cassie, lives uptown, having her own business in media and and uh, design. So it's 1978. Yeah. 
you're working as hard as you can work. You got four children. You'd married a New Orleans girl. Well, in 1978, um, that's when I joined the investment business. I moved here in 81, met my wife, Cindy. She's a Tulane, Tulane law grad and um, on a blind date, actually. Mickey Shahadi made that happen. We dated for a year and a half, and I knew it was love, and we got married. I was 31 years old. We had our fourth son a month before my oldest turned four and before we had a fifth anniversary. And so Mac was born October 19th, 1987, the single worst day in the history of Wall Street. Even to this moment, this day, nothing ranks higher. And at that moment, the, the firm I worked for went out of business. I had no place to go other than to sell the house I was in at a loss. The real estate market had crashed. The firm I worked for had gone out of business. I was in a rental home for two weeks when I got that wonderful call on Sunday that my father had passed away. So now I had four children. I'm living in a rental home. I lost a sizable fortune on the house I had. And I've got to go up and bury my dad. It was an interesting time. And I've always had a pattern of what I want to do when those things happen. When my father was 10 years earlier um, assaulted in the workplace and ended up having a quadruple high bypass because of it, I was a new broker at the time. And, and I was challenged with my role as the oldest son. Do I get out of the business I just started three months earlier or do I – to go to something more hourly that would be more secure? Is I was that what in, you were thinking? Yeah, I was in Boston. The family lived in Cranston, Rhode Island. And um, I immediately assigned myself as the protector of the family and the income provider. I didn't know what the results would be if my father had even survived the, the surgery. It was different back then. And I lived in Malden, Massachusetts. It was a church around the corner. And by the way, I, I never miss a Sunday Mass. I think it's the most important uh, exhilarating, positive thing I do for myself every single week. Well, you get to a certain point in your faith development that you look forward to Sunday. I love it. I do too. I love I it. I love going to Mass. And uh, if I'm traveling within the states or out of the country, I always look up the oldest church in whatever city that is. Very nice. And when I go in that church, some of them when I went to Europe are three, four, five hundred years old. I look at the amount of faith, the investment made, the years it took to build this. The toil of people's labor. And the beauty of the collective talent that went into that, that took sometimes 20, 30, 40 years. And I'm kneeling or sitting in an aisle that, that hundreds of years have passed yes. with millions of people doing that. And I just marvel at how lucky I am because it doesn't matter if I don't know the language. I know the entire process of the kind church. Of validates the path we're on. It tells me I'm right. Yeah, you know, it tells it really me does. I'm it there really on a vacation with the blessings of God, with the with the ability to do that, which sadly many people can't. And I love taking that hour, reflecting on the benefits of my life. It dilutes any potential difficulties I think were important to me, and puts it on perspective. And when I went to that Malden Catholic Church on. Um, Broad Street, it was the middle of the afternoon. I knelt there for a good hour. There's nobody in it. Fortunately, it was open. And I gave it up to God. I said, I will take care of my father for the rest of his life if you give him back to the family for the rest of our life. And he, God did what he was supposed to do, and I did what I was supposed to do, and took care of him and, and bought his retirement from the city of Cranston. And Got to spend another 10 years with him, and he got to meet most of my children and have a relationship with them. And, um, you know, I, I'm lucky to have those kind of things remind me that that the early stages of the things that I was forced to review and had the choice of either taking a negative view and going into a, a dark place, or as I tell everybody every day, it's part of God's plan, give it up to Jesus. It works. It's not easy, but it works. I I, I wonder what. Uh, well, I know what she saw in you, uh, <laughs> old sister. Uh, 
sister. Marcel. Marcel. Uh, I think it was easy choice, to be honest with you. There, were, there, might, have been, there might have been 22 <laughs> other cousins, but they all seemed to be on the right track. Right. You right, know, right. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know if it was, you know. The, but the, she saw something redeeming. She didn't. She knew you were on the wrong track, but she knew that there was another track that you were supposed to be on. For her to take that interest, give you this beautiful cross, and uh, wow! Yeah, and and back then they couldn't live in the same city or state where they came from, and she right, lived in right. Oregon. So what she would do is she'd send me these beautiful little mass cards and uh, uh, saints cards, and she'd write lovely little things on me to remind me to be positive. And she, when she'd come in to visit on a rare occasion, like every 10 years, she made it a point to just take me and sit down with me and we'd spend time together. So she was kind of my spiritual outlet. It was not wanting to disappoint that strong influence on somebody who, who, who contributed a confirmation that I had a value, that I was loved, and that Jesus knew me and accepted me. That kind of offset the um, junior high school principal who invited my mother and I to come in and visit with him when we were about to go to high school, and we had to elect the direction of where we wanted to do college prep, and he deliberately asked my mother and I to visit him because he said, Peggy, um, Lenny's not college material. <laughs> I can't say he had any reason other than to conclude that. But my mother said, well, he's got to go to college. And he said he should be in agriculture or auto mechanics because his ability to concentrate and, and handle just the daily routines of high school suggests this would be a bad direction for him. And I spent three years in high school and college prep proving McAndrew was right um, to the point that— I resemble that remark. I, I was a fairly successful athlete in the sports of hockey and tennis, and I had a number of colleges, D1s, come courting. And the ability to play at that level was not in 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 a, 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 a difficult choice, but when they saw my my grades, I had a good SAT score, but my grades were horrible. And I sat there in May of 1970 at the height of the Vietnam War, and not a single college accepted me, including Providence College, which I graduated from, and. And at that point, you get to that really new decision. Well, do I become a draft dodge and go to Canada? Do I think I have any talent that could play at a professional level? What the heck am I going to do in Cranston, Rhode Island? And my dad called Coach Lou Lamorella, one of the great mentors in my life, who, by the way, is still a general manager in the National Hockey League now 36 years later. This is David Anderson, <laughs> host of Cross Training, and we have Lenny Alsfeld here super devout Catholic who's raised his children that way and just w wonderful to catch up and hear all about where he's going and there's a lot more to come. We're broadcasting from the beautiful Uptown Studios of Loyola. So without further ado, Lenny, back to you. Well, it was that infamous call my dad made to Lula Morello asking why if he thought I was a candidate to be a Providence College freshman, the college rejected me. And the divine moment of intervention happened when Lou said, I'll be back to you. And surprisingly, I got another letter three days later that accepted me. Well, that changed my life forever. And I, I am today an ambassador for Providence College. I, I've been recruiting kids in, in the high school level to go there. I'm very active in the Alumni Association. I'll be the chairman for the 50th anniversary reunion next year. The, the ability of a single decision that could change the pattern of your life ever happened when he accepted me. Uh, I wouldn't say that my relationship with him was not anything better than fiery. He is a tremendous, well-respected pillar of hockey at the National Hockey League level in USA Hockey. And I guess it was going back to my sixth grade, I kind of rebelled against authority. Uh, but I did, 
we do have this fabulous relationship today, and the introduction to the career I'm in on Wall Street happened on the very campus of Providence College. So they remind me of that regularly when they're asking for contributions and donations. And they know I'm always going to tell them yes. Um, and it, it just kind of falls into that whole history that, you know, I have the privilege at 71 years old to sit and look back on the things that got me to where I am today and the blessings. One of the remarkable things that came out of my my um, godson, nephew, Jason Green, who at the time I was promoted in New Orleans was diagnosed with leukemia. He was the first grandson in my parents' life to my sister, Lee Wright. And I was godfather. I was very close to him. He was four years old when I got promoted to New Orleans from Boston. And I remember that call like it was yesterday where my sister told me he had a fever, they couldn't control it, and they realized he had leukemia. He passed away in 1983 at the age of six. But before that happened, a husband and wife in Warwick, Rhode Island, started a program called A Wish Come True. This is before Make-A-Wish or any wish organizations. And he was the second person, these people who were just a husband and wife, no, no background in finance, no background in 501c3 nonprofits, just good souls, gave him a wish and sent him to Disney. And I got to see what it did to my sister, my niece, Michelle. Oh, it had to lift their spirits so high. Because the love. It, 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 it's, it's, unless you've been at that moment when those words are spoken and the dialogue of those words you don't understand and the planning you used to have for your children to go You're to high school. You're talking about the words of the diagnosis? Yeah, they're, they can't spell them and they can't pronounce them. When, when I was told I had renal cell carcinoma, I'd go on, and I'll tell you the story one day. I couldn't speak. I had to text you. I couldn't just the words. I couldn't speak. Your mind goes numb, and your heart drops, and you start thinking about what you need to do quickly. And so when I saw that group do that for Jason and my sister Lee, I went back to church, as I always do when that bad news comes. And I made that compromise with Christ again, and I said, if you please take care of him as best you can, I'll create something similar to that when I get settled, wherever that is. <clears throat> and then in 1982, I met a, a group of five fabulous human beings, and they started with my involvement, a nonprofit called A Child's Wish. Ironically, this afternoon, I'll meet a family from Monroe who will be spending the night in Kenner and getting on a plane with their six-year-old son who's had seven heart surgeries mm. to go to Disney. And, and I, I can just tell you we've done through through a Child's Wish organization. It's an all-volunteer organization for children with limited life prognosis. We have no paid staff, no overhead. And since 1982, we've provided wishes to over 1,300 kids. So I'm honoring Jason's memory. I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, honoring the uh, Catholic faith as well. Well, you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to my clients, the ending of every call is, God bless you. And I know they hear it. Few respond with one back. <clears throat> but I hope it, it resonates and sticks with them that there's something much higher than whether you made a profit or loss on something that day in the market. And that also gives me kind of the bearing to not get all upset or excited about the world that I've lived in for 46 years. Not too high, not too low. It's all part of God's plan. So this young man you're going to uh, see, how much longer does he have left to live? Well, God has that answer. We, we love the benefit we get when we enter those lives. I can tell you a lot of people say, well, I just couldn't do that. A young child with a limited life, it's, it, it would tear my heart up. I'm sure it does. But when you enter that life, <clears throat> and I can tell you per firsthand, when, when a child is diagnosed, 
adults don't always know how to react to that. No. And so family members and neighbors kind of pull back at the very time they need love. Ah, people do that, the pull back on the love at that time. I've seen that so many they're times. uncomfortable with their own insecurity or their own ability to deal with that. And what people need at that moment is contact. Yeah, and, and listen. Love, and just to listen. And to, and to prove that, hmm. that, that, that people get it. I can't tell how many floors I've sat on with children I met for the first time, and they're, they're a bit intimidated. But in all the wishes I've done since 82, I've never left that initial meeting without a greater high than I had ever expected going in. The gift I get is a multiplication beyond that which they see me bringing them. That's the Holy Spirit. And they're humbled. They can't believe somebody's doing that. A stranger's in their living room bringing little gifts to their kids. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it elevates the soul to a point where you say, well, I have four beautiful children and six beautiful grandkids. You know, God gave me a gift to, to be able to fund and develop and influence. And when my children were younger, I used to take them on wishes that I was doing to Children's Hospital, and I would walk them through and I'd say, don't stare. Just understand. Well, the beauty of that is my all of my kids are now involved in some different way. Meg's the incoming president of A Child's Wish next year. Young man who works on me, Leo Barros, is the current president. My wife does a lot of the public speaking on behalf of the group. I mean, it, it's contagious. And the average member of our board has been there over 19 or 20 years. It says a lot for the underpinnings of what New Orleans has and the generosity of our community that's so overlooked and so um, discarded as non-existing. But I can tell you from the generosity of the people who have supported us, it it has had no ending. And uh, we've never worried about the finances. God's provided. Wow, that's beautiful. Again, if you're just joining us, this is Cross Training with David Anderson. We're talking to... Lenny Allsfeld, Leonard Allsfeld, or Champ, whatever you uh, <laughs> want to call him. We're broadcasting from the beautiful uptown studios of Loyola University. Now, uh, now that you have me all crying uh, <laughs> over these kids with the child's wish, which is, you know, uh, of all the years I've you know, known you, I've known Lenny as uh, a hockey player. True. A Catholic. True. Should have said that first, uh, but hockey runs real close with. Uh, it's right in my heart uh, for sure. Uh, a child's wish. Mm-hmm. I've known you being involved in those arenas for a long time, but the child's wish story, I've never heard mm-hmm. of how that came to be. True, with your nephew and the two folks who. Are they still around doing Yeah, and the program still exists there in the late 70s, early 80s. <clears throat> the remarkable thing of that part of the story is that my sister Lee was the second get- recipient of the generosity. <clears throat> now, you can imagine when you've spent two or three years watching your son go through all of the programs that they're subjected to in an attempt to cure or prevent the ultimate outcome. And most people want to get as far away from that subject when you bury your son at six years old than you could ever imagine because you do not want to touch that strain in your heart ever again. You want distance. Yet this beautiful sister, she's the oldest of my four sisters, went back and volunteered in the very organization that gave her son a wish and did that for 10 or 12 years, raising money and being involved to sit with other parents who are hearing those words for the very first time in that hospital visit in order the most deep, compassionate love and understanding that few could know or deliver as well as she did. It's, um, it's a great inspiration. She's still my hero. Well, to share such a deep love with someone at that time, you're right, most people want to stay away from it. It's and they'll brutal. do it under the guise of I don't want to, uh, you know, get in their in their space right now when they need. Right. It really is a. It scares people. And well, it hurts them. 
I think, you know, if, if we stay on the message that's kind of been a part of my practice of life for the last 71 years, there, it doesn't, it doesn't need some extended huge statement to change a life. And in, in 1996, with a number of other gentlemen, we started a hockey program as a nonprofit because obviously my hockey addiction needed to be shared with families who had no idea how great it would be. Well, that was an example of what I want to do because of what it did for me. But what grew out of those 10 years or 12 years or 14 years we had that program is it introduced me to so many young young men who had such horrible, tragic situations in their life that I was able to become a um, spiritual blessing to get them through it. I have a young man who's a doctor in Walker, Brandon Hicks, and he's married to a fabulous woman. He came through the hockey program that you were yeah, in? Yeah, and it was during Katrina when he finally came back from Houston and um, was a senior at Jesuit when I got a call from the school to come and help him get out of the class because his father in a oh, depression took his life. And Ugh. that and that that young man is such a great example of, in my mind, a hero to to organize and put his life together and to become a magnificent doctor in Baton Rouge on pain management. His wife Katie is in a, a Durham. He met her at LSU Med School. Uh, there's a young man who's about to graduate from vet school at um, LSU, top of his class, uh, Patrick Hall. And it was the so very- a hockey program as well? Same hockey program. Patrick never played. His two brothers did, you know, Gordon and Kevin. But he lost his father when he was four years old and his brothers were in the program to a to a murder. And- and he became such an important part of my regular schedule, lunches and meetings. And I watched him grow through the high school and going to the Jesuit father-son items. And and he got his masses here at UNO and in um, movies. And he was he would be challenged on the place and the direction he wanted to go. Where he finally got a part-time job working at the Metairie Small Animal Hospital, found his calling. We took counsel with him and gave him the kind of support he needed. And here's this fabulous young man who never knew the love of a father that today is on a path to be a fabulous vet at LSU. And he's already got a great career and role ahead of him. And and I could spend the next three hours talking about the the, the blessing of the men and women I met and coaching experiences that I've had since I was 21 years old that have given me the privilege unique to that coaching uh, athlete experience to be engaged with them for the rest of my life, to be in their weddings, to stand in the weddings, to be a officiant in one of their weddings, to get to meet their children and to, and to walk a young lady down the aisle in September who never had a father, and we're going to come back to that. Yeah, great. Because that 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 to me is one of the uh, epitomes of of gratitude. Yeah, for someone to say, "Walk me down the aisle." Yeah, champ. Yeah, we're going to come back because I'd like to talk a little about um, the food. We're going to go a little light. We're Looks pretty great. deep here talking, and it's beautiful. And, Looks great. Uh, this is from Yield College Inn, the Debris Po Boy and the Chicken Fried Steak. Have you been over there lately? Many times. In fact, my wife's grandfather is hanging on the wall. Mr. Brechtel, Johnny no Brechtel. Johnny Brechtel. We talked about the uh the wall when he was in here a couple of weeks ago and uh it was really funny uh how Johnny the wall came Brechtel. to be and uh 
I was trying to lobby for my brother to get on it. He didn't seem to <laughs> cut it, and so I, I didn't have a chance. But uh, well, there's Brechtel Park. You know who? You know who's on that on that wall is John Hankel, Senator John Hankel. Well deserved. Well deserved. A little special place when we had a good talk about him. So when when you go there, what's your what's your go to item? Oh, it's always got to be the shrimp. They do an excellent shrimp. Oh, it's fabulous. They really do. And the gumbo. Gumbo's excellent. And the ice cold beer. I don't drink beer. Oh, I love but it. But one thing I do like, I don't like to have a whole cocktail. Mm-hmm. I like just a half. That's enough. And they have it, I guess, on their register, half a cocktail. And uh, we would be we'd be uh, remiss if we didn't say the service is fantastic. What a declining element of dining that is becoming. Really, yeah. anywhere. Yeah. If you go yeah. to self-checkout, yeah. you know, it, it, it's a part of uh, the Brennans have mastered. Mm-hmm. They have. Many years ago when we worked together, I took someone to uh, Commanders, and Ella Brennan made me feel like like I ran the bank or something. Of course. And uh, I wrote her a note, and she said, David, that's the easiest thing to deliver is being nice and good service. The and rest t- of it's very hard. And T. Martin yeah. learned from the best, and she is fabulous. It's something they do. They do better than anyone. Consistently. Yeah. So – you're welcome to eat some of this food. Thank you. I think the chicken fried steak po' boy is one of the best. Both of them are, really. The, uh, we'll fight over the last piece. That sounds good. <laughs> so you have a wedding coming up. Yeah. That you're going to be giving away the bride or, yeah. or escorting her. I don't yeah. know. What, yeah. What, it's, either way, you, you are presenting this woman uh, for marriage to yes. her uh, soon to be to, husband to Frank. Yes, what an honor that is! I've heard of a lot of honors of uh, bestowed upon people. That how how did you meet her, and how did this come to be? I was you know uh, at the bank when we worked together. We were we had a very uh, a large film tax credit program, and I was a regular speaker presenter out in California. Selling the benefits of coming to Louisiana, which is easy at that time. Nobody could compete with us. And Danny Rouse. You were would, one of the leading people in that sector of the business for a good while. We we own the largest credit program that helped support the business for so many years. And my daughter, Meg, wrote the current law that exists today in, in 2017 that removed the brokers from selling credits, which closed my business, but did the right thing for the state to be the sole deliverer of those benefits and I hope legislators understand how important that has always been to this community, to the tourism business, to the jobs that have happened. You know, I'm a big fan of the union and IATSE, and we've we've got 1,400 members up from a couple hundred when they started. That live here? That live here. And sustain a lifestyle here. Lifestyle. Wow. The incomes That's up in the mid-80s on number. average. It's fabulous. And, and look at the, the, the positive. It's generational. Absolutely. And they spend money. They buy homes. They buy cars. They they build pools. It's and they're just so dedicated. I I think we have the best crews in the world. And I hope the legislators are listening because they need to keep this and improve it because the rest of the world figured it out and they're all now trying yeah, to. At compete. one point, you only saw you know you saw a lot of New Orleans credits at the end of movies, it and then like, all of a sudden you saw Toronto and Tennessee and, and Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. And, and you know, we always thought it was because these movie stars wanted to come to New Orleans. Uh, had, they do, but they like getting paid when they do come. Right, but they'll go to the desert uh, and do, go do a film. Very little loyalty. Uh, so it was the tax credit, movie tax credit, that brought all those films here that looked to me like it was a very positive impact on the economy. Absolutely. Because they wouldn't be here if not for the credit. True. So all of those jobs would not be there. That $80,000 a year jobs with full benefits and a retirement plan and health care wouldn't be here. Yeah. So if you gave them a, a very advantaged tax credit, at the end of the day, it seemed to uh, employ a lot of people that well, bought homes. And- it, 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 did bring, it, it did bring a lot of talent here 
and I get to cross paths with them, mostly on the financial side versus the actress side. I'm practice. thinking more of the people in the backgrounds that are working the trucks that live here every day. They're the reason that, that the films had those credits. It's Louisiana employment opportunities, and it's Louisiana businesses that had those opportunities, and the hotels and the travel agencies and the auto rentals and the insurance companies. It it was great, and I, when I was in California, had to be 12 years ago, I met this wonderful little girl, Danny, who lived in San Diego, who was involved in a company that brought people, brought films here and organized all the hotel rooms that they had. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I, I find myself um, with these random opportunities to meet people who changed my life, and I put that past in that little bucket called God's Plan. And we stayed close. And uh, I think Drake has a song uh, similar to that. Well, I haven't yeah. heard it, but it's yeah. worth looking up. God's plan. It's a good song. It, it, well, the the message is certainly good. And um, throughout our years together, uh, she's come back uh, to New Orleans and, and and spent time with us during the holidays. And you know, through all of the challenges of leaving California to come to Georgia to start her own business, and the frustrations of that, and the sometimes chauvinistic world that she's in allowed me to develop a very close, personal, and loving relationship with this young lady. And and I've watched her go through different relationships, counseling her on some of the thoughts I had on the merits of those relationships, just like I would with my daughters. And I think of her as a daughter. I mean, that's the level of our love in the family, my family's love for her. And she met this fabulous guy, Frank, brought him to New Orleans so I could meet him when they were early in the relationship, which was a pattern, frankly. And he's a terrific man, terrific human being, born and raised in Alabama. We met her in Georgia. So the love took its, its, its time to find the right man for this beautiful woman. And, and she nervously called me about two months ago asking if I was going to come to a wedding, which was an easy yes, I'll be there a week ahead, and asked if I would consider walking her down the aisle. I can't imagine a more important day in a woman's life. There's two. The Birth day she of a child. That's exactly right. And they're the two most beautiful moments in a woman that you will ever see in your life. And I was not only humbled but but honored that a non family member who has grown close to me like a family member wanted me to be that person at that moment walking down that aisle. I can't imagine a luckier guy. I can't imagine a richer testament of someone's love to be expressed. That is absolutely it, it, beautiful. It, it kind of matched Brandon, who I talked about earlier, when he fell in love and was going to get married. He asked me to be his officiant on a beach in Mexico. Now we got the he got the um, the uh, courts in Walker to actually give him his license, but the whole ceremony was there on the beach with me standing there as an officiant introducing Mr. and Mrs. Brandon Hicks for the first time. I mean, it's just, it, 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 who could have thought that would be where we'd end up from that terrible tragedy in January of 2006? Wow, you uh, have influenced a lot of people in a deep, deep way. And you've had this impact on your own children so strongly, all pulled really uh, from Sister Marcel. Sister Marcel started there. Who embedded this? Say, young man, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. I'm showing you positive love. Yep. I'm not disciplined. Not raising my voice. I'm showing you love. And you know, I'm a a sister. I'm a nun. I come to you with Christ. Yes. And I'm planting this with you. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, a beautiful story. Yeah. And uh, seeing your family and your kids kind of grow up, remember, uh, I remember I, and I have to share this, <laughs> my son would not think I'm uh, real if I didn't share it. We go over to your house one day and your kids are, Talking about you were coaching them, yeah, and including these other kids. You know what I'm about to say? No, I'm not going <laughs> to. 
<laughs> I'm going to plead ignorance. <laughs> we get we get in the car, we're leaving, and uh, I've got that stupid hamster cage you got rid of on me. Yeah, <laughs> give you. it to them. It'd be the little yeah, boy. Yeah, you needed that. Blake will like it a lot. Kids Blake's need animals. Just, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he just dumped that on us. That was a good move, honey. Uh, <laughs> we got in the car. I said, Blake, do you have any interest in playing hockey? He said, yeah, maybe, but uh, his son told me that uh, Lenny kicked him in the head one time. <laughs> On the bench. He, he just got in the way. <laughs> that he did was something it, wrong. He came there. He said, it was an sit accident. down. It was an accident. Kicked him in the head. I said, did he have his helmet on? He said, yeah, I think so. I said, so, uh, Only for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it was a rough sport. And uh, yeah, he's a doctor today. So obviously it kicked some sense into yes, him. Yes, of course. We <laughs> laughed. We laughed uh, for a long time on that. We still laugh on that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it makes me cry. <laughs> yeah, if I didn't tell that story, uh, Blake would not say, uh, "Dad, you interviewed him uh, with with real aim here." Yeah, he'd say he kicked all this great stuff he's done for all these people in the world. He kicked his son in the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only because I love him. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, next chat. Let me really quick get to you. Wake up in the morning. Where do you go with your prayers? You know, it, I'm glad you asked that question because when I wake up in the morning, before I got out of bed, I pretend this is going to be the worst day of my life. Like my wife's diagnosed with breast cancer and I just lost a child. And I go through this mental exercise, which sounds a little weird. A little. But then when I roll out of the bed and I put my feet on the ground and none of those things happened, Nothing for the rest of the day could be any worse than the torture I just lived with for 15, 30, 50 seconds to know how to respond the rest of the day to things that can't even come close to that. And I read once it says, if if what's happening today isn't valuable in five, five years, don't even spend five minutes on it. And I live that every day. You're a beautiful inspiration as a Catholic man. Well, thank you. A father, a businessman. And uh, it's been a privilege to get to know you over these 20 years and work with you. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm, if I'm ever in a foxhole. <laughs> you want to get kicked in the head? <laughs> <laughs> get out of the foxhole. Get, get, get out. Move, move, move. <laughs> That's funny. But it, but it is an honor. And uh, we have a, a our signature sign-off now for the last couple of weeks is uh, we say the Hail Mary. I love it. Hail Mary, Mary full, full of grace, grace the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Cross Training with David Anderson is a production of Catholic Community Media.